0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, stand up the Garden State. Seton Hall takes down number seven, Texas, and Rutgers pulls the ultimate upset. Somehow, it knocks off number one Purdue. First win over a number one team in school history. Welcome to the Field of 68 after dark, the only place devoted to college hoops every single night. I'm Jeff Goodman. Tonight, I've got former Clemson sharpshooter Terrence Oglesby and SI's Kevin Sweeney with me. I will break everything down. It was supposed to be a quiet night, guys, uh, but it is anything but that. Again, you know, Seton Hall, Gets the win over Texas to start this thing off, and then Rutgers pulls up the the huge upset. Uh, we'll have a conversation tonight with a national player of the year candidate, uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, and we might even get a visit from a guy who right now is laying a spanking on an in-state rival, uh, Iowa State's TJ Otzelberger. But first, uh, let's talk about Rutgers and Purdue because nobody. Other than Greg Waddell, our producer for, for tonight, saw this one coming, right, guys?
2: No, I, I certainly didn't see it coming. I thought Purdue just had so many weapons, but you got to give Pike and his guys credit, Jeff. Like those dudes guard, especially on the perimeter. They've got a lot of big bodies around the perimeter. They are small inside. That's what kind of made me worry about Rutgers coming in. But man, when you got a guy like Ron Harper Jr. and he's locked in and focused and engaged, not only on scoring but on rebounding, doing some of the other things as well, uh, he's the kind of player that can carry you on a given night. And he showed that tonight. Ended up with thirty. And man, that shot! I think I woke up all. I, I woke up. Both dogs, my kids, and my wife had to call down to check on me. I'm down in my office right now. So I mean, what a game! Terrific game. I called it a little too soon. I was like, "Well, Purdue just has all the answers," but they just didn't have enough time to give a final answer.
1: And I I also, this is a Purdue team that uh, again had been pretty dominant all year, just took the number one spot days ago. And I don't know if it was a little bit of a letdown game, you know, geo Baker didn't play Kevin, everything was lined up. I know it's the rack. I get it, but I don't think anybody thought this was going to happen.
3: No, I mean, look, it's really hard to win on the road in college basketball tonight. Yet another reminder of that. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, there, there was nothing on paper that made you think, you know, there, there wasn't even an indication that Rutgers was starting to turn a corner from this slow start, right? They lost by 35 points to Illinois six days ago. You know, they were coming off a UMass loss a week before that. And the week before that, Lafayette, right? Like there, there, there wasn't this, this turning tide for Rutgers where you said, okay, maybe there's, a, there's, a, there's an upset here. This was completely, completely out of the blue. And I think it's kind of kind of what makes this sport so great. But it was, I mean, just a special game. You, when you let a team like Rutgers hang around in their home gym. I think we saw this with Duke and Ohio State. Yeah. You know, obviously Rutgers isn't quite as talented as Ohio State, but Duke was the better team. Ohio State just hung in, hung in, and then let the crowd carry them across the finish line in the final 10 minutes. I think it was a very similar kind of game script today where Purdue made that little push, got it to, I think, eight or nine but they couldn't put Rutgers away. And once that didn't happen, you started to wonder when Rutgers could make that push and really make things interesting.
1: So Gonzaga started the year preseason number one. Um, They looked every bit the part of it early. I mean, smashing Texas and and UCLA, um, there was no doubt. And then they've kind of faltered a little bit lately. Duke gets the number one spot. They lose at Ohio State you know, a few days after playing in, in, in Vegas and beating Gonzaga. I'm not sure. if I, I think Ohio State caught them at the right time. And then and Purdue gets it, and they lose to a Rutgers team. So I, I've kind of said this from the get-go. I don't think there was a dominant team, even in the preseason. I didn't look at Gonzaga and say they're, they're, they're so dominant like Baylor was or even the Zags were a year ago. But does this further illustrate, Terrence, the fact that, listen – Maybe there's more, more than eight teams or ten teams that have a chance to win this whole thing. But it's all matchups and who can win six games and who's playing well right then.
2: I, I think the number one concern with Gonzaga, and we all tend to bring them up, is they have trouble with big athletes. I think Drew Timmy has showed that whenever they played Duke, and then they struggled again against Alabama. Those guys have really high-level athletic guys, and that worries me when it comes to Gonzaga. Now, are they going to be able to figure it out at the end of the year? Absolutely. What have they made? Six straight sweet 16. Sweeney, that's a stat for you to know. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think like they're going to end up figuring it out, but there's not a dominant team per se, but there is one kind of laying in the weeds that not a lot of people are talking about. Baylor
1: is really, really good. All right. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet. Okay. They're like really I good. like Baylor, but I think they're another one of these teams. I'm putting them in the same realm as and I'm not even sure if I'm putting them there yet. I, I want to see them against Villanova. By the way, that was still like my favorite matchup from a couple of years ago. That's when I fell in love with Baylor, was mm-hmm. Myrtle Beach, where they beat Villanova in the best game I saw all year in terms of how it was played. The, the the execution, both teams were making shots, but they were guarding. And I remember talking to Scott Drew after that and saying, like, I love this frigging team. Uh, so I like Baylor. But I still need to see them beat a really good team and a really good program. And they get Villanova coming to Waco this weekend. Yeah, and I'm fully on board with
2: that. But there's a couple of things that make me think, like, they could be that team. One, they get Sochan, they get Kendall Brown. That's the only team I've ever seen that wins a national championship and gets more athletic. Yeah. Like it, it, it's unbelievable what they did. And then last year, too, we I had some concerns and, and I voiced this to you guys on the on the opening show that we did with all the All-Americans. We put James yeah. Akinjo. Who's going to replicate all those assists by Mitchell and Jared Butler? Last year's team averaged 16.9 assists a game. This year's Jeff, 18.9 assists a game two more full assists per game. That ball's still popping. There's still weapons everywhere. And now they have more than two, three rim threats. I mean, they're throwing oops to a lot of people, and they just guard at such a high level. And I'm not even mentioning LJ Cryer, who's been really good as well.
1: Yeah. And and again, Scott Drew's just – he's (laughs) made a believer out of everybody. I mean, uh, if you're not a Scott Drew believer by now – You know what? I I don't like you. I just I'll say it. I don't like you if you don't if you don't buy into what Scott Drew is is selling right now. Culture of joy, culture of joy. It is the culture of joy. That's what it is. You're like Jay Wright has the culture, but but Scott Drew has the culture of joy and he's always happy. Um, Sweeney, what is there somebody right now that you think is the best team in America or do we just not have one right now?
3: I don't think we have one. I think there's this kind of top grouping where, you know, Purdue is, I think, the hardest team to guard in the country because they're so multiple with the ways they can hurt you. I think Gonzaga is probably the most complete team. You know, they're, you know, but like you said, Terrence, obviously, they struggle with the big athletes. They've had that issue against Bama, Duke, going back to last season. I think Duke is probably the most talented team. Uh, in, in the country, but they're going to be up and down. I think just because they're playing so many younger guys and obviously Palo has been working through the second half struggles and things of that nature. I think Baylor belongs in that category at this point. Uh, I think Arizona has a chance to prove that they belong in that category this weekend against Illinois. I think they've looked the part so far, but you know, kind of similar, they haven't really played anyone other than Michigan who was not in a good place at that point to really, to really judge off them. You know, I think there's, you know, five, six, seven teams in that top elite tier uh, that, that can go, you know, that, that we can kind of say is a slight cut above the rest, but you know, it feels wide open. I, I don't think there's there's one team right now that stands out. I, I don't necessarily think that Purdue even before today was was fully there for me. I thought they had earned that number one spot, they had earned that AP poll ranking, but I don't think I I, I don't think I woke up this morning saying yeah, Purdue is the clear favorite to win the national title. I don't think we had one before, and I think today illustrated why we don't.
1: Yeah, you know what? The only thing that worries me about Purdue, like they've got obviously an electric score in Jaden Ivey. They've got two really good bigs that are unstoppable but can't play together, right? And and that does hurt him a little bit, Zach Eady and and Trevion Williams. Trevion was, I mean, again, very few guys can stop him in the post, but he did have, again, at the end of the game there, uh, a a charge that was certainly ill-advised that that kind of cost them. What I, I still worry about is their point guard play. I just, it's solid. It is very solid. And I'm not sure solid is necessarily good enough to win six straight games. Um, You know, I like Hunter and Iowa state ends up winning by 20 in aims. They are now nine and oh. TJ Otzenberger. You're not going to find a better start to your head coaching career at a spot than uh, TJ has had, but uh, to get back to Purdue, am I crazy to worry about their point guard play or no? What, what, what's your concern?
2: Is are you wanting it's more?
1: Okay, I just don't. I don't know if they give you enough. And if Jaden Ivey's not having a game, and, and again, he's still erratic in his decision making. He's been very good in transition this year, but even the play he made tonight, game on the line, he tried to split those, you know, the yeah. trap, and and what did he do? It was just it, it was kind of a bonehead play. He's super athletic. All he's got to do is jump up and be able to throw a pass to a teammate there. Instead, he gets, he gets hit with a, uh, you know, a, a walk or, you know, and 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 he and Trevion both made mistakes at the end of the game and they could have iced it. You know, the numbers say
2: that they're going to be fine. I, I mean, they're averaging 18 assists and 12, 12 turnovers. The numbers say they're going to be fine, but it comes down to end of game situations and obviously they're going to learn from this one. I, be honest with you, Jeff and Kev. Like I, I have so much faith in Paint yeah. that he's going to find ways to kind of overcome some decision-making things because he's going to put it on himself. And you know, it, another thing too is Ivy got that ball in dead man's corner. He did. He I did. mean, that's you just get like if you're going to get that ball anywhere on the floor when you're going up against pressure, especially a one-two-one-one one, one, or whatever it was, where they're trapping first pass as soon as it gets in. Don't get that ball in the dead man's corner because everybody can converge and it limits your options. So I would imagine that doesn't happen again. I, I think they have an elite playmaker. I think they have enough shooting around them. I think that was one of the biggest concerns coming in. Brandon uh, Brandon Newman and Stefanovic have been really, really good. The team shooting forty one percent from three. Like this Purdue team, if you take away you know an end of the game decision against a Rutgers team playing at one of the craziest environments in college basketball. And I'm calling it that because they're crazy when Rutgers is five and four too. Like that's a special place. I mean, I was up there calling a game, a radio game when they played Clemson, a big 10 ACC challenge. And even so, I mean, the place was electric, but I mean, I, I, I like this Purdue team. I just feel like there's too many weapons at too many of the most important places on the
3: floor. I I think, One thing that I think where I agree with Goodman's point is, and we saw this against Iowa too, when they struggled with the press, you know, Purdue does not have a guy that when it's a late game situation, you just want to get the ball in bounds to him and he will, you trust him to make great decisions, right? Ivy is incredibly explosive, right? What he did in that open floor situation with the the windmill dunk, I have not seen from another guy this year in terms of the way he got off the ground. Um, But do you do you right now trust Jaden Ivey to close out a game? And I don't quite I'm not quite there yet. And, you know, really two games in a row now for Purdue. He's been a little bit shaky in those spots. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the question that the answer. I think, you know, they've gotten a ton of mileage out of Isaiah, Isaiah Thompson this year uh, as a shooter. And he's really meshed quite well with Ivy. Uh, you know, doesn't need the ball in his hands, kind of blends in, plays defense, makes shots. But again, like that's not the guy that you're getting the ball into late in the game to, to go make a play to beat a press. He's not explosive. He's not you know creative with the ball. Hunter is a little inconsistent with his ball handling as well. So yeah, I, I think that's a, a legitimate question. I think it's the thing that holds them back uh, for, from being that that clear number one right now because they 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 answer every other question mark right with the shooting and the size and the coaching and the top end talent and you know everything else you want. But 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 those late game situations, you want that lead guard that you can just trust. And maybe Jaden Ivey will be there by March. Like I would not be surprised if he is, but right now it's just a little shaky. So
1: all right. So we got you know, Purdue still in the equation, Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke, those four for sure. Yep, Kansas, that's five,
3: UCLA. No, I, I want to see him with Riley. I want to see him with Riley because against Gonzaga, that team did not look the part, you know, and and Mick said it, you know, he's like, we're not the number two team in the country without Cody Riley. I think once they get him fixed, you know, and and healthy, it sounds like he's getting closer. Then I'll feel a little bit better about him. But I I would, I would take right now I would take Arizona over UCLA, Arizona, Villanova.
1: You got to have them in the equation. Yep. Alabama. Ready I was about—I was about to, to say—are you about to take that hat off the top shelf there and put on I, an Alabama hat? I'll like, what? I'll tell you what—I <laughs> got the Auburn one just because the fans hate me so much, and I had to balance out—I <laughs> had to balance out Alabama a little bit, and obviously Purdue because if not, Hummel, you know, I mean, maybe I should throw them off there today because that was kind of their perch. I don't have a Rutgers hat, guys. I don't have one, so I don't know what to do there. But um, yeah, I think there's probably you know ten or so teams right now. And maybe the gap – I just don't think the gap from 1 to 20 or 25 is nearly – whoever 25 is right now, you know, 25 to me might be a Yukon or somebody like that when they get healthy. And I don't think the gap is as big from 1 to 25 as it, as it usually is. All right, so what does this mean, if anything, for your Rutgers Scarlet Knights, T.O.? Like, there were 4-4 four and four going in. I think everybody had left them for dead. Like Sweeney said, their resume was brutal. They lost to a crappy UMass team. Uh, Lafayette, I don't even know which one, if it was a Patriot League one or the one in in Louisiana. Patriot League one, yeah. Patriot League. Fran, you know what? Kudos to Fran (laughs) O'Hanlon. Love Fran. Good win. Um, But, like, does this this change anything for you, or is this just a one-off for Ruck?
2: I want it to be. I want it to be good because I like the way they play. I really like Paykel. Like whenever I was watching them in person, Paykel is out there on the floor playing defense. Like his energy during the course of a game is awesome. This team just can't shoot the ball uh, consistently enough to, I think, thrive in the Big Ten because the Big Ten, for the most part, now not everybody, is gap heavy and it's heavily scouted. It's really hard to kind of manufacture some buckets. So you got to have some guys that can hit some shots. I don't know that Rutgers can do that with consistency. Can you do a one-off or maybe have another one at the end of January or another one beginning of February? Yeah, I think they can surprise some people just because people come to that place, and it's it's a ruckus place. But I think it's going to be difficult for them to generate buckets with consistency. And, you know, Ron Harper is going to be able – if he's – you know, last year you guys were telling me off air – you know, first half of the season, he was great. Second half, he kind of floundered off. He's going to have to be great all year for this Rutgers
1: team to be just in the in the ballpark. Yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I think, again, listen, they were picked – I think they were picked maybe eighth in the league or something like that, and, and people thought we had them in our, in our countdown right around 50. So you kind of thought they'd be a, a fringe tournament team. And if they get going, if they, they win the Garden State battle – uh, against Seton Hall next game, you know, maybe they can pick up some momentum and those losses are negated a little bit by quality wins. They have to get some, something going here with that. The,
3: the good thing is the UMass game was a road game. So there's a decent chance that sneaks into a Q2 and it doesn't really hurt you uh, as much. The Lafayette one's going to hurt. It's going to sting. Uh, I think The only thing I'll add on Rutgers, they got outstanding mileage today out of mag, especially in the first half and then, uh, Caleb McConnell in the second. Those guys like have him. really, yeah. they've really struggled offensively. And both of them were really good today. If they get more consistency there, and I'm skeptical they will, especially with McConnell's, just because we haven't seen it for three years, why would it be any different?
2: Oh, um, oh, oh, he played really well against Clemson two games ago. There you go. I was shocked. Whenever, because he was, you know, he's kind of on the scouting port. He's shooting like in the teens yeah. from a field goal percentage standpoint. And then he came in and played great. Like he owned the place. So, like, two of the last three games, that dude's been solid. You got to give him credit. I mean, Geo Baker goes down. You need somebody to be an extra guy. And, I mean, he stepped up. And sometimes it takes a guy to get hurt to get extended minutes when yeah. he hasn't been able to get them. I'm sorry, well, you Chris, know. I'm it, sorry. It, I'm sorry you in it. You're good, man. Hey, I'm it's new. I, I'm new with Kev. I'm
1: sorry. But but you need shooters. And tonight yeah. Rutgers went 7-14 from three. Shooting I mean, think fixes of, a lot think, of bows. Hey, think of how excited Sweeney that, that Clemson players were when Tio got hurt or got in foul trouble or something, when he went to the bench, they all started licking their chops like, I'm finally going to get a damn shot now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right? what happened. We're actually going to have some passes. It's the same thing with Gio Baker. Same thing with G.O. tonight. They're like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get some more shots up. So hey, They um, didn't count right. assists with me. They just counted passes. They said if you get <laughs> double-digit passes, that's a win.
3: That's
2: that a is. win.
1: All right, so the, the, the game prior um, that ended just before it uh, in, in Jersey was Seton Hall, Texas, and that was like the heavyweight bout tonight that was supposed to be the big boy game, and uh, you know Kevin Willard, Chris Beard, Seton Hall's been good this year so far. They've, they've been one of the bigger, in my opinion, one of the biggest surprises, and we had no idea what to expect out of Texas. The only team they played so far, I was at that game at Gonzaga and they got pretty much run out of Spokane. I mean, they, they, they didn't show up. They got dominated. The the score wasn't nearly as indicative of, of the way that game was played. They were never in it. So I'm thinking coming to this game, like I don't know what to expect out of this Texas team. Um, Marcus Carr has looked lost in this offense. And that my biggest takeaway from this game is that Texas is still, a long ways away because they couldn't score like defensively they're better than I thought they'd be at this point in the season because they're not super athletic. Um, they don't have a rim protector, but what they, what they do have is Beard's toughness that kind of kept them in the game today. But I worry about Texas and and that's a hell of a win for Seton Hall. Let's start, I guess, with Seton Hall Sweeney. And is this a team now that you start to say to yourself, all right, you know what? Yeah, they're not in that top 10 group that we've been talking about, but you know what? They're a group that could make make some noise in the tournament and finish, you know, maybe even second in the Big East this year.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm a believer. I think they're they're a top 20 team. I think they're a team that can come in second in in the Big East. You know, I – I feel like the way they guard you, you know, and they were without Obiagu for most of this game. He only played five minutes. And, you know, I think that hurt them dealing with Trey Mitchell, who's such a weapon on the block. Um, But when he's there, it's pretty impossible to score on him because he's protecting the rim. Their guards are all big and physical and tough and good at the point of attack. You know, I think the thing that is the separator for them to be, you know, at the level that they need to be to, you know, compete to be a, a top 20 team to have a, a deep run in the NCAA tournament are, you know, Aiken and Harris off the bench, what they bring scoring the basketball and Aiken didn't shoot it well today, but, you know, he made the one that mattered. And, you know, I think the clutch factor that, that he brings is huge. Cause look, I think the, the the number one question I come into the year and it hasn't been fully answered yet with Seton Hall was, Is Jared Roden a good enough scorer to be a number one option on a top twenty-five team? And he has gotten so much better. Like you think about where Jared Roden was as a freshman and sophomore, his growth has been remarkable to watch. But I'm still not sure he's a guy I love in a late game situation. Have to go get all the shots. So the weapon that that Aiken is, I think, think helps them. And he's been big in in their two biggest games of the year, the Michigan game, and then tonight against Texas. He's made big shots. So they need that off the bench, but. With this defense and, and, and the way that – how hard these guys play and the experience, you know, they started four seniors and a sophomore today. I, I'm a believer in this Seton Hall team without a doubt.
2: I will say this. I, I got nervous whenever Obiagu went down because what happens after that defensively, like Texas started running a lot of pick and rolls, and they became like a drop coverage team because Obiagu is so big and protects. They don't have to rotate. To where whenever he went out, they're having to do some different ball screens. So if you notice, like whenever he went out of the game, Texas started running a lot of stuff for Trey Mitchell. Now, he was hot before that. I know that. But like they were getting some easier looks because that second half Willard adjusted was fantastic. Uh, I I will say this. I think Seton Hall is the real deal, pending two things. Obiagu's fine because I think I have so much respect for him as a rim protector, and he changes the game defensively. He has to be some kind of threat offensively, just dunker spot, catch and finish. That's all he has to do, not much. And then Bryce Aiken, he didn't shoot it great tonight, but his change of pace, they have a bunch of big switchable pieces, and they're so physical. Bryce Aiken's ability to be really quick with the basketball and get to the lane and then pitch out, I think he adds a different dimension to this team. And man, he was so, he, I mean, he got wherever he wanted towards the end and that step back three. That was like one of those, no, 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 but, 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 bucket. I'm not saying anything. Great shot. Get back on D. So that that's kind of where I stand with C and all, I think it's, I think Beard said it after the game, that's a top 15 team. And I, it's hard for me to argue
1: because they always say that when they lose. To them. Well, I know that. That's, That's a bunch point. of bullshit. Like, I don't believe <laughs> no, anything a coach I think it's says. a top
2: 20 team because they, but I,
1: it's one of the most I don't believe anything teams. a coach says after a game like that. Because frankly, they all, if you lose to them, you need them to be a top 15 team. The higher ranked they are, the, the more it helps your damn numbers. That's true. And your, your resume. So, like, and I'm not saying, like, I'm not calling Beard out for being a bullshitter, but they're all bullshitters yeah, when, when it course. comes to that. So, I, I like their team. Here's the thing. For me, I don't think they have a star. Like, obviously, I know Roden's pretty close to it. Mm -hmm. But like Sweeney said, I'm not sure he's not a great shooter. He's a scorer. They've got a bunch of good players around him. And Bryce Aiken, the, the key question for me has always been health. Can he stay healthy? He's been hurt, really, I feel like since I've known him, you know, when he got to Harvard. But he's got big cojones. He's fearless. The biggest thing for me is I trust Kevin Willard. Yeah. You know, and here's a guy that was almost fired, you know, after 2015. Think about this. 0 for 5, his first five years at Seton Hall and going to the NCAA tournament. Most guys, they don't get year 6. And they had like a come to Jesus meeting. The AD, Willard, and his agent. And the AD at the time decided like, all right, you know what? And they were super tight, he and Willard. All right, I'm going to give you a shot here. Like, I trust you. I'm going to stick with you. And ever since then, CNL has been a different program. So sometimes it does take time. Um, And I think Willard has also become a much better coach overall. And he's a guy that, listen, guys, when I'm going down the list right now of people to replace Mark Turgeon in College Park, Kevin Willard's at or near the top of the list in terms of people that they can get. You know, I've gone through it. Nate Oates I put his name out right away his buyout is too high Maryland is not going to be able to get Nate Oates Uh, Chris Holtman's not coming from Ohio State Mike Boynton is another one that I loved for Maryland loved him loved him loved him his buyout's super high as well um so I I don't think any of those three in the equation and then you go down and I know I put out that tweet guys about Juan Dixon and there being a a, a, you know faction of uh, Maryland supporters that want Juan Dixon and Sweeney you can talk to Juan, about Juan Dixon a little bit more than most because you spent some time with him I'm just saying a small faction I'm not saying that Damon Evans is going to hire Juan Dixon but he is listen as highly regarded of a former player as there is at, at Maryland other than like Len Bias nobody's more revered than Juan Dixon and what he did for that program and bring him a national title he was he was, what, ACC Player of the Year, Most Outstanding Player. They win it all. He did everything for that program in 2002. So um, I, I just think Willard is a guy that I trust. Um, you know, and, and, and again, I don't know if they have, like, elite-level talent, but they got enough dudes. They got enough dudes that it wouldn't surprise me if they finished second in the Big East. And I think to be you could throw a bunch of teams right now in a hat in the Big East other than Villanova, and I don't know who the best team is.
2: I agree with that. Are we talking about the Big East? Or are we talking about Willard to Maryland? Let's go
1: Maryland. Let's go Maryland. I know. I, I, I like to jump around. I got AD. Uh, that's there,
2: fine. So. I just wanted to know which, which yeah. direction to take that. Yeah, All you right. go wherever
1: I, you want. But
2: Yeah, I, well, here, here's the deal. But I would love nothing more than to see Nate Oates at Maryland. Like, I think yeah. his style of coaching and his team's styles of play would flip the Big Ten on its head. Yeah. And the Big Ten wouldn't know what to do with it. And I think it would be awesome to watch buyout is obviously an issue won't make it happen. I really love Kevin Willard. I think that's that would be a great hire. you've talked about Ed Cooley I think he has the personality you've elaborated on that on several of your shows Jeff like I think he'd be a good candidate there too. Uh, Willard's playing style and the type of kid that he gets I think would be appreciated a lot at Maryland because they're hard nosed kids they play extreme I mean I think he would be able to get recruit DC some.
1: I mean, am I wrong in assuming so? I yeah, think- he, he would. You know, I just don't know if he's a guy. The only thing I would say for Maryland that I think they would like after going through Turgeon is somebody that's a little bit more out in the community, yep. that's more fan friendly, or or I would say, you know, Mark Turgeon was a ball coach, and that's all he was. Mm-hmm. Willard's got more, more to him a little bit, but he's not a, a guy who's going to go out also and and maybe you don't need it at Maryland as much. The the other name I'll give you guys, and, and I actually laughed at Jeff Porzella for putting in his story, and I still am laughing until this this closes, but it's Bruce Pearl. If Bruce Pearl can somehow get behind this, the NCAA stuff by March, which I don't know if that's going to happen. Now, you got to get a decision by March by the NCAA, and then you got to escape that decision if you're Bruce Pearl, and it's got to fall all on on Chuck Person, and he'll have coaches' control. But what is coaches' control going to mean for Bruce Pearl? That's the big question. But if you guys – listen, if there is a coach you can find me that would be better suited for Maryland right now than Bruce Pearl, go ahead, go ahead, throw him my way. You can't. There's not one. There's not one. After going down
2: to battle for Atlantis and seeing how many people from Auburn, a football school, that has had a hard time generating interest to get him to college park. He'd
3: be the match to all that gasoline up there. Like that would be awesome. What do you think, Kev? I I love Pearl there. If you could make it happen. He's the kind of perfect mix, right. Of the proven name who's went deep in the NCAA tournament, right. That's one of the major sticking points with Turgeon too, is he never had that deep run. And I think quite frankly, that's one of the things that would hold Willard back in this search, right. Is he hasn't had, and you know, I think in 2020, had an opportunity to do that, COVID hits. He doesn't get a chance with, with, I think, probably his best team he's had, and this team will be another opportunity. You know, Pearl is a great name if you can make it happen. I think there's a lot of roadblocks though, like you said, Goodman, to to make that happen. I will say the one, one other thing we haven't really mentioned on Willard, why I think he's a great candidate for a place like Maryland. Look at the player development in that program at Seton Hall. Everyone has gotten better, like all the way back to the Desi Rodriguez's and Kadeen Carrington's and Angel Delegato's to you know, Jared Roden and Miles Kale and Sandra bama and Shafar Reynolds, right? like every single guy that they recruit is better as a junior and a senior than they were as a freshman. And they stay for the most part to, to see that development through. And that's rare at this point. I mean, I can't think of a staff right now off the top of my head that has done a better consistent job with developing guys th- than Seton Hall has. So, I think when you you give him a little bit of gasoline at Maryland, get a slightly higher caliber of kid, um, better resources, you know, all the things that makes Maryland a great job, the fan support, you know, you can take the recipe he's using at Seton Hall, apply it at Maryland, and I think it would take off. I think there's a reason he hasn't won a ton of you know he hasn't won NCAA tournament games at, at Seton Hall. It's because it's hard to get over that hump and be a top 25 team at Seton Hall. It's hard to get to the point where you're in position to win NCAA tournament games. It is not as hard to do that at Maryland. I think he could build a perennial top 25 team at Maryland and win NCAA tournament games and go on runs. It's a lot easier to do that at Maryland than it is at Seton Hall.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Maryland's a top 20 school. Seton Hall's a really, really tough job. So is Providence for that matter. So I think Willard and Cooley are in kind of similar situations um, and, and both I think, you know, Willard, I think, would walk to Maryland. Cooley is from Providence, you got to understand. So that's a little bit different for Cooley. He's got a long-term contract he signed a few, uh, he signed a few years ago. So that one, again, um, but, again, I just think Maryland's such a good job. It would be hard for either one of those guys. The hardest part is, you know, guys don't leave really good high major jobs generally. So people think at Maryland you're going to be able to, like, handpick kind of who you want. And like Scott Drew's going to come from Baylor to college park, Maryland. And like shit just doesn't work that way. And a lot of these guys, what people don't understand is the buyout is everything. Maryland doesn't have SEC money. They're they're not going to be able to, you know, pay a $10 million buyout to get NATOs and Alabama. They can match if not exceed anything that Maryland offers, they'll pay in the fours. Shit, they pay NATO it's in the fives right now. If they had to, to keep him, they got football money that they can use. You know about football money, Terrence? Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of it. There's
2: a lot of it. But my ears started buzzing as soon as you said Bruce Pearl to D, to DC, like that. Well, just that, just again, the attitude. There's some and hurdles, the motto of both yeah. parties.
1: Like, and he's a northeast awesome. guy. I think you have to have a Northeast guy at Maryland. Yep. I, I really believe that. That's why I said Mike Boynton, the guys we've talked about, you know, Willard's been in, in New Jersey. Cooley grew up in Providence. Bruce Pearl grew up in Sharon, Massachusetts. So he's a mass hole. And mass holes generally have thick skin. As you know, with most, not me, but most have thick skin. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, to, to me, again, I, I think Bruce Pearl would be a good one if he can get through it. Anybody else that... I haven't mentioned for the Maryland job that you guys think would be really good.
2: I mean, well, let me ask you this. Would, would, I guess Passner's not a Northeast guy, is he?
1: You know, no. Josh He just won there. the ACC.
2: That's the only reason I bring yeah, it up. He just no, won. The I don't ACC. like it at
1: all. I'm not, no. I'm not going to kill you on this, but I don't like it at all. No, I don't either. I was just,
3: I was trying to rack my brain. That was, <laughs> no, I, was I, don't, I was don't either. Talking. Huh? There's there's two guys I would throw out. I don't love them. I think I, I take Willard over both. Yeah. I think Andy Enfield. There's a little bit of a tie there. It's a an easier place to win. He's a, he has an MBA from Maryland. He's originally from the Northeast. I think that's an interesting name. And then I think West Miller is a guy that I would think about. He's having a nice year at Cincinnati. Um, you know, obviously did at Greensboro they could double his salary. I think he makes like 1.2 at Cincinnati was the, and again, Cincinnati can go up now. They're going to get big 12 money, but Maryland could make that work financially. You know, he's a, he's a winner. You know, he was on the, on the, obviously on a track to get a job like a Maryland, but once North Carolina moves its separate way, now, now there's an opportunity here. So Cincinnati was smart to, to move in when they did. I think Wes would be a guy that I would consider, you know, a, as you go down the list, you say, okay, well, we can't get, you know, some of these top tier names, I'd talk to a guy like Wes Miller and see where's his interest level. And, you know, c- can we make this work? And he's not a Northeast guy, but the Carolina ties, I mean, that's still a region that you can, you know, that's familiarity with that, that region of the country that you need for for Maryland, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and listen, Wes Miller, he did. He played in New Hampton. So he, he has spent and he's recruited a lot in the Northeast. So I, I don't hate Wes Miller. I just don't know if Wes Miller is going to want to bounce around too much. You know, since he – Then he bounces um, to Maryland. Then if Carolina opens in a few years, you know, which who knows what happens with Hubert Davis, I I think he'll be okay because the ACC uh, sucks so bad that I think um, almost by default, Carolina is going to finish second. I I do. I I really, I don't think they're that good, but I I don't think there's a number two team and they've got more talent than everybody else. We're going to talk about that's in the mix for, uh, for second, and what do you think about event. Enfield? What do you think about Enfield? I thought that was a nice, yeah, I don't know. He's he's weird, he's a little weird.
2: <laughs> okay, so I'm not sure how, well but he's him.
1: a better option than Passner. <laughs> he's a better option than Josh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you bring Josh to Maryland. I no. don't, I don't, again, Josh hasn't done enough. Enfield, listen, Enfield still had as good of a hire as there was uh with with Papa Mobley, right? Like that that smart. I I don't I don't begrudge anybody. I I actually completely uh give him as much credit as possible for making that move. It's legal. He got two kids out of it, one of which was a lottery pick and killed it last year. The other of which I think you tweeted it, Tio, how underrated uh Isaiah Mobley's been this year. It's been terrific. So he's been really good. He's been really good. That's a good. pretty I mean, he's
2: good job. averaging, what, 14-9 nine and uh, what, 9.9 boards a game. Like He's been really good. And Southern Cal's 9-0, and and we're not really even talking about him at all. And they've got some oh, talent we- over there with uh, Boogie Ellis is playing with him as well. But Isaiah Mobley shooting 42% from three. He's good,
1: man. We were going to get
2: TJ Otzelberger,
1: but uh, it, it sounds like their concrete uh, building um, they can't get on right now with their, their Wi-Fi down there. So we're, we're not going to get TJ on, but uh, we'll get him at another time. He's rolling, so but we will talk about. Um, let, let's let's do a few things here. Let's let's first uh, we're exactly one month into the season right now, so it's the perfect time, the ideal time to give kind of an early look at a few different things. We're going to talk national player of the year. We're going to try to get to biggest surprise and biggest disappointment. So I'm going to start with with my national player of the year, a guy that's come out of nowhere to take a team that was picked 10th in its league to the one that's now ranked in the top 25. Uh, Wisconsin's Johnny Davis, he's been phenomenal thus far, and we got a chance to catch up with Davis uh, earlier today, and here it is. All right, now pleased to welcome in Wisconsin star sophomore, Johnny Davis, averaging 20 and a half points, six rebounds, shooting 40% from three. And most importantly, his team is undefeated uh, when he takes the court.
4: Uh, Johnny, how you doing? Doing all right, man. Uh, you know, a little sore and tired from that comeback win last night, but um, got to look forward to Saturday. That was crazy. I mean, that was absolutely insane. You're down. I think 17 and
1: a half, 20 plus at one point. What what was, describe the scene. You guys have had a great year, surprising year so far, but what was the scene like throughout that comeback? And when you, when you put Indiana away at the end?
4: Uh, I mean, you know, it it was crazy. Uh, In the locker room during halftime, we're all telling each other, you know, like we can do this. We can come back and win this game. We just got to be sound defensively. Um, You know, we got to take the shots that we want on offense. And, you know, I mean, it's, I, I felt it. I felt it was getting closer. You know, we were just chipping away, chipping away. That, that lead kept going down and down. And then, you know, once I hit that shot to give us a lead, I kind of figured we were going to win.
2: Hey, John, I got to ask you this. Seven points a game last year, 20 points a game this year. Uh, obviously, you put a lot of work in on the summer, but you also did the FIBA thing and won a gold medal there. Yeah. Was that one of those situations where, you know, you You go, you go and you play with a lot of really good players, and you realize, hey, man, I belong with this group of guys. Did
4: that confidence carry over from last summer into this season? Uh, it most certainly did. Uh, you know, playing playing with about thirty of the best dudes in the country and then making that final cut, being on the team. Uh, you know I realized what I can do as a player. But also, um I knew once I came back, you know I was going to take on that leadership role, uh, be that guy that the team needed,
3: and I think I'm doing an okay job so far. Johnny, I felt like in Vegas, your your team's togetherness, you know, really carried you through some of the adversity, the tough moments when you in those three games, and it felt like we saw it again tonight. What did the team's kind of togetherness and culture do for you guys last night during the comeback?
4: Uh, I mean, you know, that's exactly why we came back, and I feel like, you know, when we're more together and in sync, it, you know, it makes us play better, too, especially in the defensive end, you know we're all getting in the gaps, helping each other, closing out with high hands, you know, knowing our personnel. So, you know, when you're, when you're in sync like that as a team and you're all, all five are clicking on the card at the same time, you know, it's, it's pretty tough to score on you. So, Johnny, I, I think you might be
1: the only player in college basketball uh, who is part of two sets of twins in their family, right? Uh, yeah. Your brothers on the team as well, Jordan. Mm-hmm. And then you've got – help me out here – Maxwell and Samantha, how old are they? They are – 14. All right. So what what's this like? I mean, two sets of twins, the competitiveness, or are you guys super close? Are you fighting? Like, I, I'm, I'm an only child, so I don't know anything about a sibling at all. And you got, again, two sets of twins over
3: there.
4: Yeah, no, nah, when me and Jordan were about their age, we were always fighting. Uh, you know, they had, to, they had to get us both the same thing, but, you know, maybe one of us liked the other better. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of fights, uh, especially when we play one-on-one. We were really competitive with each other. Uh, I feel like that's why, you know, we're both at the level we are is because we just push each other to go harder. Um, Maxwell and Samantha, I mean, they're pretty much the same thing. But, you know, Samantha's a girl, Maxwell's a guy. So, you know, they're they're close, but like they don't really be competing and all that because Maxwell, I mean, you know, he's been he's been doing his fair share of working out. He's getting a little bigger. Um, But nah, it's it's great having two sets of twins. Um, You know, it's something that doesn't commonly happen. But, you know, it's great because Samantha's the older one, so I feel like me and her click a little bit more. And Jordan – or Maxwell's younger than her, so him and Jordan are, you know, on the same page a little bit of being the younger one of the twins. Well, listen, uh, we
1: appreciate you uh, coming on, Johnny. Really do. Uh, Great start to the season again. uh, love the fact that uh, undefeated with you in the lineup right now, heck of a win last night, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank
4: you. Appreciate you for having me. Mm-hmm. gotcha. Welcome back.
2: My name's Terrence Oglesby. Back here filled the 68 after dark. That was Johnny Davis, Wisconsin superstar. Jeff, he wasn't just your National Player of the Year pick for the first month. He was mine, too, and he has made Wisconsin watchable. I'm just going to say it like that. He has made Wisconsin watchable. Everybody loves Brad Davison. You either completely love him or completely hate him. But I don't see how in the world you could hate Johnny Davis, man. With him on the floor, Wisconsin's eight and and that's pretty much all you need to say. He's averaging over twenty points a game, six boards, and he gives that team that usually plays at a snail's pace a go-to scorer with some really good athleticism. And you heard me ask him in the thing in, in the interview, man. He plays with about as good a balance with with as good balance as anybody in the country. He's a. Pure Does he remind
1: you of anybody, Tio? Does he remind you his game of anybody? He's smooth, but he's more athletic. He's he's very sneaky athletic.
2: Yeah, he had a couple of dunks that were just absurd, right off the top of my head. And he's got good size. I, I I get scared to compare guys to like pros yeah. because I feel like that puts so much stress on kids. I'm not sure he shoots it well enough, but the way he moves and gets to spots is Paul George a terrible comparison? Just getting downhill quick now. Yeah. They, I mean, he's
1: smooth like that. He's, yes, he's not, he's smooth he's not like as that. long and no. not obviously the defender. Paul George uh, is, I don't know how good he was at Fresno, whether he could guard at all, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think well, anybody watched him at Fresno. I mean, more so how he gets downhill.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. His initial burst to get there. Yep. And once he gets there, he doesn't finish like him because he's so strong in his legs. Like he sticks, he sticks his landing. He turns around, he moves. He hits so many tough shots. And in a, in a, in an arid, guys, like, where the three-pointer is so important, that dude takes so many mid-range jump shots. Yeah. And he makes a pretty good percentage. I mean, she's about 46% all-encompassing. all, all encompassing, But he is, uh, he, like I said, he's made Wisconsin very watchable. I
3: think the all other right.
2: thing that – Sweeney, thing is, what do
3: you got? Man, I did not come into this thinking I was picking Johnny Davis. You know, I, when when you said, give me a national player of the year, I was like, it's, it's not Davis, is it? I looked through and I was like, it's not, it's not Paolo, it's not Timmy, it's not either the Purdue bigs. I, I think it's Johnny Davis through a month. And, again, this is an open race. I think guys. Are There's only
1: come two. I think you forgot the other guy.
3: I think you forgot. It, it's to me two Big Ten guys, and I think it's Johnny Davis or EJ Liddell. Yeah, Liddell, Liddell, and Keegan Murray entering today. Keegan Murray was in that mix, not after tonight. And Liddell has been great, but. Wisconsin been the better basketball team. And I think that's yeah. that's the leaner. I think the thing that has stood out to me, and I saw Davis up close and personal in Vegas for three days the Maui Invitational. He has had big shots and big performances in every big game. He had 30 against Houston. He dominated the first half and then made the clutch shots when they needed it late. He had 20 more against St. Mary's. He had 25 in a huge rivalry game last weekend against Marquette. He had he who hits the big three last night to, to win the that game? Johnny Davis, right? Like yeah. This kid is clutch. He is unbelievably skilled. Uh, I'll say on his game, I think the thing that makes him so good in the mid-range, he has a high release point and he gets off the ground. Like he is explosive with his legs. He's so strong down there. He gets up off the ground. So even though he's six five, like it's like he's six nine because between the release point and getting the extra burst, I mean, he, he's impossible to guard in those mid-range spots. So I, I love Davis, man. He he has made a a believer and a fan out of me in the first. Month of the season more so than I expected. I was a big fan of his last year. I thought he had a chance to be a really special player. I did not think he would be this good this fast.
1: The only the only other guy that I want to mention that I think you could put in the conversation is, is Ochai from Kansas. Yeah. I think he's a guy that's got to be. He might not be, you know. And I, I think unfortunately his game isn't like flashy enough sometimes. That's right. So, but but he's gotten better at that. Like he's gotten better at putting on the floor. Um, normally he was just kind of a three point shooter, one dimensional, but his game's gotten better and defensively, he's pretty good. So I would say, oh, is another one from Kansas that has to be in the conversation. And you mentioned Paulo and Timmy, they're in there too. But right now, I, I honestly, Johnny Davis, I think we just talked to the national player of the year front runner, Johnny Davis. Isn't that crazy? Because none of us, I mean, what did we think Johnny Davis was going to do this year? Average like 12 a game?
2: Something like that. Well, how many guys have gone and played in that FIBO Worlds and then come back and had a great year? Because, man, you get to play against that level of competition every day. Like, what is it, for a month training camp? Like, that's the best. He averaged like four a a game. You know, he only played like 12 minutes a game in in that. It's greatness by association. Yeah. Like, there's just so many guys that they play again. And then once you get the confidence – you're thinking, yeah. man, I belong, man. Guys just take off. Guys just take off. I do think, Oh, Chai he's almost smooth to smooth. So smooth.
1: It's to his own detriment. Does that make sense? Like, yes, he, he just, and his game, he doesn't talk at all. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about his, he'll dunk on somebody or whatever. And then just, he comes back down the other end. Like he's, he's too nice a kid. And Bill self said that to me earlier this year. He's like, he needed him to be a little meaner, a little tougher, more of an alpha dog, and he's gotten that this year. Yeah, he was he was mean against Michigan State. I will say yeah. that. All right, let's move on. Biggest surprise, uh, Sweeney. I'll let you go first. This uh, on, on biggest surprise. Who you
3: got? I mean, I, I think it has to be Iowa State. I mean, to be to be nine zero to blow out Iowa tonight. You know, they have a they have a resume. This is not a soft nine zero that, that they've, <laughs> not like, more. they've no, I mean, with the, the two wins in, in New York City and then the road win at Creighton, we don't know how great Creighton is. We don't know how great Iowa is at this point, but at some point you've won them all. That that means something. And the job that Otzelberger's done, I think the thing that really stands out for me with them is their defense, right? I mean, you can talk about Brockington, who was awesome today. You talk about Street's had some huge moments. The freshman hunter has been fantastic at point guard, but they really guard you, they force turnovers. They're really difficult at the rim because uh, the Kansas transfer Anirana and a runner and George Condit are two guys at the rim that make it difficult to to score up there. So they're just really well built. It's something it's, you know, Otzelberger has never really been known for his defense in his previous spots. If you think back to the South Dakota state teams that he had, it was holy, you know, how do you, how do you stop these guys, but we're going to put 80 on you. Uh, you know, they have this unbelievable defense this year. And I give, I give them a lot of credit. I mean, they're forcing turnovers as well as anybody. Uh, they're tough to score on at the rim. And then they've got these veteran guards who go make plays and a freshman in Hunter who's one of the better in the country. So they're they're a complete basketball team. They look like an NCAA tournament team. They look right now like a top 25 team. I think maybe that comes back down to earth at some point. But, you know, I think they're the biggest surprise. And honestly, I think Otzelberger would belong in the conversation for National Coach of the Year right now, oh, certainly. Yeah. I think you could make him a favorite. I, yeah, he's been awesome. yeah,
1: like who's, who's done a better job – what were they picked? Ninth or
2: 10th? I, I think they were probably picked ninth tenth. ahead of Kansas yeah. State.
1: Maybe. I mean, you can flip a coin between those two. And now he's got them in a position where all they got to do is go. I think they can finish two games under 500 in the, in, in the Big 12. And there's still probably a lock to get in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. Terrence, you, anybody else? I mean, is Iowa State head the list? I mean, we
2: talked about teams. Iowa State's the team. I mean, this team didn't win a conference game last year, but I'm going to go with a player. Uh, we had him last time I was on with you, Jeff. Darian Sebron has taken his game to the next level. Last year he averaged five points a game, and this year he's bringing the ball up and averaging, was it, 20 and 11.
3: <laughs> it's like, where does this come from? He's a yeah.
2: two-time ACC player of the week already. We're a month in. I mean, he's definitely in the running for conference player of the year. I wouldn't say, you know, national player of the year, but for the ACC, that's a little bit down, a little bit down. You heard that, a little a bit down. A lot down. down. Yeah, Don't a say a little. Down. You can say a
1: lot. It sucks. Compar- <laughs> you said comparatively it Comparatively speaking. Listen, ahead. all I'll say is it sucks comparatively speaking to what we – you usually expect out of the ACC. How's that? You're, is that very You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right.
2: It just hasn't been very good in the non-con. Right. And it hurts my feelings. But but in Sebron, I mean, he has been so good. Yeah. And, and he's doing everything for them. And they've struggled to have, have a slasher that can get all the way to the rim. And he's still getting in there and kicking out. I mean, his game has really developed. it has got good size. He is just taking the next step. So I would say that's a big surprise for me because I think a lot of guys thought, you know, Jericho Helms would be the guy. He's turned yeah. into
1: the guys for NC State. Yeah, I, listen. For me, it's Iowa State. I, I don't think you can go anywhere else. Nine and zero. You know, again, they they pound their in-state rival tonight. You know, they beat Xavier, albeit without Fremantle. They beat uh, Memphis, albeit they're a train wreck right now. They win at Creighton, which I know they're young, but that was kind of a you know, listen, TJ Alzenberger against Greg McDermott. That one was uh, a fun one. I kind of wish I was there for that one because they're, they're super tight and obviously TJ kind of, you know, got us started Iowa state with, with Mac. Um, but he's done a great job with like, like Sweeney said, with transfers, um, you know, with Hunter has uh, been really good. But Brockington, give it, give us
3: the quick cliff notes version of the Brockington story against Sweeney. So, Brockington was committed and signed to NJIT. He backs out in April, says he's going to do a prep year. Oh, late in the summer, he decides he's going to go to Bonaventure that year because he kind of blew up over the summer. Shows up Bonaventure, averages four points a game. Go transfers, sits out a year at Penn State. His first year at Penn State is the year that Penn State's going to make the NCAA tournament, and then COVID cancels it. He then deals with all the. Had Chambers issues in that summer that, that blow up, and Chambers eventually, uh, you know, has to step away and, and is done at Penn State. So he goes through a COVID season without a head coach, basically all of last year. He goes in the portal. He's like, "Where am I going to go?" He goes to a place that went two and twenty-two last year with a new coach, and now he is bawling out. I mean, he looks like an All Conference guy. This, this, this is a crazy, crazy story, and, and good for him. It's, it's been a fun journey to watch him kind of continue to get better every year. 29 points. Is a virtue.
1: 29 points, 10 rebounds, 29 points, 10 rebounds. And, and Keegan Murray uh, is four for 17 on the night. And I don't think he got his first field goal until like midway through the second half. So um, Iowa State's been tremendous. We'll see if they can keep it up. They don't even have to keep it up. They just, they got to go 500 the rest of the way and they'll be just fine. All right, let's, uh, let's end on a, on a sour note. Uh, we got a few minutes here left. Let's end with our our disappointments. And, again, the qualifications for this are whatever you want it to be. It can be a player. It can be a team. It can be a league, Terrence, if you want to pick the ACC, which I know you will not. Uh, (laughs) It can be a media member. It could be, listen, um, your boss, Rob Doster, if you want to throw him into the bus, you absolutely could do that. I could, and I'm going to. The most disappointing thing to me
2: so far this year boys is going to Forlini's. One of the greatest Italian restaurants I've ever been to in my life. And listening to Rob Doster try to barter back and forth with this waiter, who is a superb waiter. Doster's in this try, in this place trying to get a box of $12 wine, trying to negotiate his way down. Disappointing on all levels.
1: There's my unbelievable. Disappointment here. Unbelievable that that I mean again, no feel. No feel for the restaurant that you are in. You know, you're in a, a great Italian spot uh, in Lower Manhattan. Um, you know, incredible food, incredible wine, and this dude's trying to get Sweeney a twelve dollar bottle of wine. I mean, box how about of that? wine, box of wine, just pathetic, pathetic. We we um,
3: we should end the show here. We don't we don't need to talk about the actually important. Uh, that's <laughs>
1: right, just. <laughs> we, we, one of these days, we'll just do a, a Doster. I mean, we can't do a Doster roast without Hummel. That's the thing. I mean, you can't do it. And we probably need Doster's wife, too. Uh, because I'm sure she would love to jump in on the action. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, because I'm sure
2: she's disappointed too.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, that
2: that is felt true. Like it was that go is... <laughs> next I felt like we were going all the way there.
1: Oh, like, man. Because I'm sure she's disappointed. <laughs> uh,
3: yes. Probably accurate.
1: Uh, all right, Sweeney, what do you got?
3: I think Memphis, right. I mean, it's, it's dysfunctional right now. I thought that a lot of the issues that Penny had the last couple of years would be kind of mitigated by having more talent. Somehow they've, I think gotten worse because they don't have guys that are as bought into him right now. They've got chemistry issues. They've got on court issues. They've got, you know, I mean, everything that, that could possibly be going wrong right now is going wrong. I think they will turn it around. It's a question of when, and with the AAC schedule, I mean, they better, they better do this quick because, They can't afford much more leeway to get even into the NCAA tournament, which is the bare minimum of what you have to do for this not to be a complete and utter disaster. Yeah, listen,
1: Memphis is certainly in the equation for biggest uh, disappointment. How can they not be, right? I mean, again, you had high expectations. Uh, I'm going to go with with an entire state, boys. I'm going with the state of Oregon. Um, That's how disappointing. Look at it. The Oregon Ducks. Everybody had in their top 20 because it, it's it's one of those things you just do with Dane Altman. You throw him in the preseason top 20 and you say, like, I don't care who he has, but he's gonna figure it out. Well, they're they're four and four and they're 132 in the net right now. Uh Oregon State, Wayne Tinkle, after taking that team deep in the tournament, the biggest surprise of the NCAA tournament last year, getting an extension, one and eight, one and eight, and they're 262 in the net. Then you go down to Portland. Portland's 2.33 in the net. Portland State, 1-4, in 4, 3.16 in the net. The basketball in the state of Oregon right now absolutely stinks. And you could probably even take that to the NBA right now with, uh, with C.J. McCollum. You know, good health to him. Let's hope he recovers quickly. But the Trailblazers haven't exactly uh, lit the world on fire as well. So uh, I'm going with the state of Oregon. Um, it, it's been absolutely uh, disastrous. Leading with the Oregon Ducks. Uh, well, listen, uh, appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, as always, uh, Field of 68's After Dark. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube After Dark channel. All right. And also, if you want to get your gear like I have, like Sweeney has, fieldof68apparel.com. Again, fieldof68apparel.com. Uh, we'll see you Saturday night. No show tomorrow night. The only game of any value. Well, not any value, but I shouldn't say that. But uh, Memphis plays Murray State. So it could get worse for Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers. So uh, check that out. We'll see you Saturday night. Uh, Terrence Oglesby, Kevin Sweeney, thanks. I'm Jeff Goodman. We'll see you soon.